0: On this episode
1: of the Catholic Echo podcast from the Diocese of Youngstown, we're talking about consecrated life with Bishop David Bonner and Sister Mary McCormick of the Ursuline Sisters. Find more about this episode's topic, including articles from the Catholic Echo at catholicecho.org/podcast. And now, the host of the Catholic Echo podcast, Father Jim Corda. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Echo podcast. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is brought to you by the Annual Dosses and Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and Cumulus Media Youngstown. With me is Bishop David Bonner of the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Father Corday. It is always a joy to be here. Today we're celebrating the World Day for Consecrated Life. Back in 1997, St. Pope John Paul II started really a global celebration, recognizing religious priests sisters and brothers, and lifting that up. And he did that on usually close to the weekend of the presentation. So there's this sense that Jesus, who is the light of the world that we celebrate, religious women and men are also called to be the light of the world. Why should we lift them up in this celebration today?
0: Well, this is a very important feast or commemoration, you might say, because of the role they play in the life of the church. Many of these men and women are so instrumental in our faith formation. Mm -hmm. I remember going to Catholic parochial school. Almost every class had a religious sister in it. They were in habit. And it was obvious that they were pointing to a different kind of life, Mm -hmm. a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And there was something compelling To what they were doing because they lived in utter poverty and simplicity. Mm -hmm. They were given $30 a month at that time for personal expenditures, if you will. So this commemoration, which was established by St. John Paul II, is just so important because it affirms ministry and the mission of these holy men and women who live out the sacred vows of poverty,
1: chastity, and obedience. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about those vows, because for us as diocesan priests, we take commitments. We don't take vows. What's the difference between a vow and the commitment that we take? Obviously, as Docesan priests, we do not take the vow of poverty, and yet we're called to live kind of that spirit. So what's kind of the difference there? I would
0: say for us as diocesan priests, we're often referred to as secular priests. Mm -hmm. We live out in the world. We're not necessarily of the world, but we live out in the world. That's where our witness takes place, and our allegiance is to our ordinary, our bishop. Mm -hmm. With regards to men and women in consecrated life, they live this lifestyle out in an intentional community, following the charism of their founder or foundress. And that sense of community is a means of support and encouragement for them to live out these vows day in and day out. They pray together, they eat together, so there's a real bond that they share that's all wrapped around
1: the charism of their founder or foundress. Usually when we talk about a diocese, and especially when a diocese is formed, kind of going back over 80 years for us as the Diocese of Youngstown, when the bishop first was appointed in this new diocese, he then invited religious communities to be part of that. We know historically that the Oblate Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus were invited. The Pauline family, they were invited. There were communities that were already here serving in the diocese like the Ursuline Sisters of the Humility of Mary Sisters or even the Dominican community. Why is it important for those communities, those religious communities, to be part of our diocesan church? Those communities are windows of
0: grace. They give us a glimpse of heaven and they add a richness to the tapestry of our church, our local church. Anywhere I've been, my life, my ministry, my priesthood has been enhanced by men and women religious who are vowed to consecrated life. One of the first acts that I did as the new bishop of Youngstown, it wasn't even the bishop yet, but the secretary for my predecessor was retiring, Mm. and I was presented with the question, what are you going to do? And without any Great thought. It was just, it was very natural. I said to the administrator at the time, Monsignor Sifrin, How would you feel if I asked a religious sister to work mm-hmm. with me in this endeavor? And he said, By all means. But I was not the bishop yet, and so I had to respect his role. And so I asked him, ever so humbly, if he would begin putting that into motion. And it took about five months, but we have Sister Dorothy Paulus as my executive assistant, who is a sister of the
1: Holy Family of Nazareth. And I'd like the idea that you had mentioned that we kind of go back to our younger days as, as students. Many of us who went to Catholic schools have a relationship with a particular religious community. Mine happens to be the Ursulines. They were at Immaculate Conception Grade School and at Ursuline High School, both uh, institutions that I attended. And so I feel that I was formed by them, and also in my parish ministry, many of us who are fortunate enough to have a religious woman or brother or priest to work with in that situation only enhances our ministry because it takes the charism, as you had mentioned, that they celebrate, and it helps us as the local church to really lift that up and unite ourselves closer to Jesus and to his work. And isn't that really the mission of religious life is to unite ourselves to Christ and to carry on his work?
0: Absolutely. And they show us a way to Jesus. And there is a a richness because you you mentioned the different communities. There's the Ursulines. there's the Oblates, Holy Family of Nazareth. In my childhood, it was the Sisters of St. Francis of the Providence mm-hmm. of God. Unfortunately, there's only a handful of them left. I was asked to preach at the closing of their mother house, their mm-hmm. convent, their chapel. They sold the property. That was a sad day to watch that unfold, mm-hmm. but the spirit of their founder lives on.
1: They've made their mark in the life of the church. We know that today in our diocesan cathedral, religious from around the diocese will gather to celebrate and to commemorate this uh, World Day for Consecrated Life. How important is it for us to thank them for the work that they do? Usually in the fall, primarily in November, we have the Religious Retirement Appeal, and so that really is a way for us to lift up Them and to thank them monetarily for that. But why is it important for us to lift up consecrated life? We need to lift up consecrated life and intentionally thank these women
0: and men vowed to consecrated life because they are a gift, Mm -hmm. a gift from God to the church. And when we receive a gift, the proper response is to say thank you. And that's what we as a church attempt to do every first Sunday in February when we
1: celebrate this mass. For the women and men vowed to consecrated life. I know that in our next segment and the third segment, that Sister uh, Mary McCormick, who is the general superior of the Ursuline Sisters, will be with us and we're gonna celebrate with her the 150th anniversary of the Ursuline Sisters here in the Diocese of Youngstone. So we'll hear more from her. But we do thank those religious men and women who have dedicated their life, who have lived their life in community and celebrate their charism and share that with our own Diocesan Church. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: The new Catholic Echo podcast will inform and entertain the faithful of the diocese by discussing various topics that are relevant in the church today. Bishop David J Bonner begins the podcast with your host Father Jim Corda on the topic of the day and then you'll hear from others with expertise on that topic. You can listen to the Catholic Echo podcast on Sundays at 6:30 a.m. on WHOT FM 101 WYFM FM 102.9. WQXKFM 105.1 or catch it online by going to catholicechoorg podcast. The Catholic Echo podcast is produced by the Communications Department of the Diocese of Youngstown.
1: Please join Catholic Charities by helping to support the Warm Hearts for Warm Homes campaign formerly known as Keep the Kids Warm. The Warm Heart for Warm Homes campaign helps to provide direct utility assistance to families with children, working poor adults, and older adults on fixed incomes. Last year, Catholic Charities agencies impacted thousands of people through utility assistance efforts. Unfortunately, this year the need for heat and utility assistance continues to rise. Catholic Charities is asking for your help to make Warm Hearts for Warm Homes a success by giving to your local parish online at www.ccdoy.org or by calling Catholic Charities at 330-744-8451. With me is Sister Mary McCormick, who is a General Superior of the Ursuline Sisters of Youngstown. Welcome to our show.
3: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: We know that beginning in September of 2023 to September of 2024, the Ursulines of Youngstown are celebrating a significant anniversary, 150 years. Talk about that humble beginning that started in 1874.
3: Thanks very much. It is interesting because the first Ursuline Sisters who came to the Youngstown area were the Ursuline Sisters. They came at the invitation of the pastor of St. Columba Parish. At that time, the pastor was Father Patrick Brown. They had a Catholic school, and they had had a group of sisters that stayed for a little while, but the sisters then moved back to wherever they were from originally. And Patrick Brown had a sister, his blood sister, who was a Cleveland sister, uh, an Ursuline sister in Cleveland. Uh, At that time, we were still part of the Diocese of Cleveland. So Father Brown wrote to the General Superior in Cleveland Mm -hmm. and said, would you please send some sisters to teach in the school? The Superior sent six sisters, including his own blood sister. Mm -hmm. And they came here in September of 1874. They arrived on September 18th, and four days later, they started teaching in the school.
1: And the rest is history. The rest is Mm -hmm. history,
3: as they say. I'm just so thrilled that beginning at St. Columba, 150 years ago, Mm -hmm. continues to this day. We still have one of our sisters on the staff here, Sister Martha Reed, Mm -hmm. and there's been an Ursuline sister here all these years.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the Ursuline sisters, like many religious orders, is that They touch many lives, and you've touched many lives, your community, not only over these 150 years, but going way back to St. Angela Marici, almost 500 years ago. So talk a little bit about those beginnings and how she started the community.
3: Right. I'm glad you brought up Saint Angela. She was a woman of the Reformation. So if you think back to the days of the Reformation, almost 500 years ago, as you say, it was a time of great turmoil in the church. There were lots of movements that were pulling people away from Catholicism. Saint Angela was an Italian woman, single woman, on the one hand, deeply committed to a life of faith, deeply committed to being a disciple of Jesus but aware of all of the issues that were going on at the time. At that time in history, there was a sense that for women, either you would get married or you would join a monastery. Mm -hmm. And Angela didn't think God was calling her to do either of those things. In fact, she remained a laywoman until she was about 60 years old. Mm -hmm. But she ended up starting a new religious community. And it was not exactly a monastery. In fact, the followers of St. Angela lived in their own homes among their own families, but they dedicated their lives to service of people, especially to people that were poor. I don't know if they used the word homeless in those days, Mm -hmm. but perhaps didn't have a home, didn't have a way to provide for themselves. The followers of St. Angela began to do that. That grew into the religious community that we know today as the Ursuline Sisters.
1: As you talk about St. Angela, I can't help but think those beginnings that happened way back then are really echoed in a lot of what the Ursulines do now in their ministry, in your outreach. How is that correlation? How is that? come together and
3: how is that celebrated in this local community? We too think that we've been faithful to what St. Angela started and of course Angela was a disciple of Jesus and tried to imitate the life of Christ. We see ourselves doing the same thing. We live in the midst of whatever group of people we're living among. So for us we live in Youngstown. When we came to Youngstown we stayed. We planted deep roots and we have stayed in the first days 150 years ago The need and the specific reason we were asked to be here was to teach in Catholic schools. As Catholic schools grew in the area and as a lot of lay people moved into that kind of work, we began to say, where else is there a need? And our sisters began to work in other places. For example, we saw a whole new group of homeless people and especially, I think, in the beginning, homeless women and their dependent children. And sisters began to say, gosh, what can we do? to help them. When there were people in the area first starting to be affected by or infected by the HIV virus Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of fear about that some of our sisters began to say what can we do? How can we help these individuals? How can we help these families? And that was the beginning of our HIV AIDS ministry probably 30 or 40 years ago. Some of our sisters, and and sometimes, when they got a little bit older, mm. they recognized that there's a whole underserved population in prisons, and they began a, a writing ministry. How do we help people that are spending a good deal of their lives in prison? And they began by writing letters. And we still have sisters who are involved in that kind of ministry.
1: One of the things that I'd like us to focus on is kind of the growth in ministry of the Ursulines, but also, the sense of decline in numbers. And we experience that in priesthood vocations. Mm -hmm. How is that being compensated for lack of a better word?
3: As you note that our idea of ministry in the church has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. There are still numerous needs, but not as many people who are living the kind of lives that has been kind of the hallmark of the church in priesthood or religious life. One of the things we've begun to do is to say, how do we generate and nurture a call from God to discipleship, to be missionary disciples, but perhaps in their own lives. And so we have some associates who are connected with us in prayer and in ministry. We also have focused a lot on young adults, trying to nurture the gospel call for young adults to be involved in our mission, to learn more about prayer, to nurture their own life of faith, most of them are not choosing to enter religious life. You know, it's mostly young women with whom we work. But I'd say the same is true for young men. Many are really interested in being disciples, but not necessarily entering into priesthood. We consider that, to a really important part of our mission, trying to foster and nurture and help to grow the faith in young people.
1: And the folks that are with us today, if they want... More information on some of the events and the celebrations that surround this 150th anniversary. Where can they go to? Who do they contact?
3: I'd say the best way to get in contact with us is through our website. Our website is theursulans.org. So if you go there, you'll find a whole list of things that we're doing, information about our history, information about our 150 years of service to the Greater Youngstown area, as well as different events that will celebrate this anniversary.
1: Sister Mary McCormick, General Superior of the Ursulines of Youngstown, congratulations on this anniversary, but also for the ministry of the sisters here in the Diocese of Youngstown.
3: Thank you.
2: Did you know that the Catholic Echo Magazine is delivered 10 times per year to 52,000 Catholic households in Northeastern Ohio? That's more than 150,000 people. In the Catholic Echo website, catholicecho.org, has been averaging 30,000 views per month since it launched in February, 2023. Advertise your business, special event or service with the Catholic Echo in print or online. Email catholicecho@youngstowndiocese.org. at youngstowndiocese.org. Advertising discounts are available for Catholic institutions as well as for businesses that commit to five or 10 issues in a year. Email Echo at youngstowndiocese.org or visit the advertising tab at Echo.org for more information. If you have a story idea for the Catholic Echo magazine, podcast, or website, send an email to Echo at youngstowndiocese.org. We'd love to hear your ideas.
1: With me is Sister Mary McCormick, who is the General Superior of the Ursuline Sisters of Youngstown. Welcome to our show.
3: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: You know, we're talking the last time you were with us on the 150th anniversary of the Ursulines here in the Diocese of Youngstown, which you're celebrating September of 2023 to concluding in September of 2024. 150 years is a milestone, a, a major milestone. Are the sisters excited about it and try to
3: explain their joy. Oh, it is something that we're all excited about. At this point, most of our sisters that are part of the Ursulins of Youngstown were here for the 100th anniversary. And, of course, 100th anniversary is a major event. Fifty years ago, we celebrated that. Most of the sisters remember that. And in a way, it's kind of a sense of pride that they're still here with us. It's also just an acknowledgement of how much life has grown and changed over these last 50 years. And we do acknowledge that 150 years is a long time to be about something in one place. I'm also very aware of the fact that in terms of church history, 150 years isn't all that long. But for Catholics in Youngstown, that's pretty much most of the history of our life of faith here in this area.
1: And let's talk about religious life in particular and how that has evolved going back to St. Angela Merici, but also to the culmination of your 150th year. How has religious life been celebrated, but also how has it evolved?
3: That's a a great question. And it's something I've I've always been interested in. Because first of all, I'd like to just say that religious life is now and always has been a gift to the church. Mm -hmm. It's not part of the order of the church in the same way that priesthood is. You know, we call priesthood holy orders, for lots of reasons, but one, it's part of the order of the church, where religious life is a gift to the church and, and wasn't always part of the life of the church. It has been more prominent at least since about the year 500 and continues to this day. St. Angela Merici founded the Ursuline Sisters about 500 years ago, and she was one of the beginning people who would start what we call today an apostolic religious community, people that were about not just a life of prayer, yes, prayer, but also prayer combined with mission. I think the other community that's known for that are the Jesuits. And Angela and St. Ignatius of Loyola would have been contemporaries in starting that new form of religious life. But that's a reminder to us that religious life has always changed throughout the church, from monasticism apostolic orders. And I think now we're at a time in the church where things are evolving again. What has been kind of the norm of religious life in the last 100 or 150 years is beginning to fade away. And I'm sure God's good providence will see a new development of some form of religious life.
1: Well, we know that the Ursulines began here in the Diocese of Youngstown in Catholic schools, and that obviously has evolved and changed and grown over these 150 years. What are some of those significant moments where the community said, this is the direction we need to go. This is the other ministry that we need to focus on. What are some of those and why is that important?
3: We got our inspiration from St. Angela Marici, and one of the things that she left us as part of her legacy was a sense of pay attention to what's going on in the world, and if you need to change, do so after prayer and reflection and consultation, do so with the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. That's exactly what our sisters have done. Think back to the 60s and 70s when Catholic schools were flourishing, not only here in Youngstown, but uh, across the country. There were lots of people, both religious and lay people, who engaged in that ministry. Because there were so many capable lay people in that ministry, some of our sisters began to move into other ministries, called by the church. When you think about the first parish directors of religious education or pastoral associates, many times the pastors would say to a sister, would you please help us do this new ministry? We take it for granted now, but it was new in the 70s. It was also true when our sisters began to think about the needs of other people who were not at all being seen or met. Mm -hmm. We began a ministry to homeless people. It started with homeless women and their dependent children with a formation of Beatitude House. Mm -hmm. It evolved, too, when lots of people who were either infected by the HIV virus they had trouble getting housing and so eventually we started a housing program for people that had HIV or their families. They often had difficulty finding housing since we were in housing anyways we kind of expanded that ministry as well.
1: We know that uh, there are significant events that surround the 150 years of the Ursuline sisters. What are some of those events and what are some of the things that they can look forward to and where can they go to to find a, a list of those?
3: Well, we started our anniversary with a mass at St. Luke Parish in September, kind of to kick off the anniversary year. Bishop Bonner was the presider at that mass, and so just a great way to celebrate, to begin the celebration. Also, in October of 2023. We opened an exhibit with the Tyler History Center. They've been gracious enough to allow us to have an exhibit there, and Mm -hmm. that'll continue through the spring, probably February of March of 2024. So that's one way to kind of mark this history. We also will be having a number of other events from September of 23 to September of 24. The best way to get information about that is on our website. You can find our website at theursulans.org.
1: You know, when we talk about anniversaries, we talk about looking in the past, but also looking in the future. As you look to the future, what are you anticipating for the Ursulans?
3: Oh, that's a great question. First of all, you know, as we think about this history, as we've thought about it this last year and a half or so, we've always talked about continuity and change. That's kind of the history of the world, some continuity and some change. So what we do now and what we've done for the last 150 years is very much in line with the gospel message and with the vision of St. Angela. So we want that to continue. We also are really excited about the vibrancy of our ministries today. We have what we call Ursuline Sisters Mission, that is the corporation under which all of our ministries take place. We have sisters still in parish ministry, some still a little bit in teaching, some in pretty traditional kinds of things. But we also generate ministries that serve the poor, people that usually are a little bit under the radar Mm -hmm. in terms of coming to to church regularly. And our mission is to reach out to them, to provide the services they need, to help them just kind of get their lives back on track and hopefully help them nurture a sense of hope, a sense of goodness of life. And those ministries have been really strong, especially in the last 30, 40 years, and we hope that Ursuline Sisters' mission will continue. We're really excited about the people who work with us in ministry and believe that they're going to lead us into the future, inspired by the gospel, inspired by the mission of St. Angela, and also inspired by the memory of the Ursuline sisters who started those missions and ministries.
1: Well, certainly, uh, Sister Mary McCormick, the sisters of St. Ursula here in the Diocese of Youngstown made. An impression on many of us myself included at grade school at Immaculate Conception at Ursuline High School working with the sisters in ministry and parish ministry and so many of us have been blessed and privileged to work with the Ursulines and we celebrate with you this 150 years of ministry here in the Diocese of Youngstown the ministry began by Saint Angela Merici, but also looking forward to many more years of ministry Thank you.
3: Thank you very much.
1: For those who would like more information or to listen again to the show, you can go to www.catholicecho.org. The Catholic Echo Podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown in cooperation with Cumulus Media Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Have a blessed day, and may God be with you.